What did you eat for breakfast? Man, pancakes and coffee. Welcome to Music on Your Own Terms, the podcast that aims to help musicians develop an entrepreneurial mindset through interviews, as well as discussing resources, concepts, successes, and more. Providing a platform to talk about negative emotions such as anxiety and depression in order to help overcome them in the context of music and reduce the social stigma. This is episode 140. This episode is sponsored by Ignite Your Music Career. You may remember in episode 90, I chatted to Craig Dodge about sync licensing and how he makes a living through writing music for TV, video games, and film. Musicians all over the world subscribe to Ignite Your Music Career and earn more royalties, more upfront sync fees, and more recurring revenue from their music. Whether you're a composer, singer-songwriter, band, beatmaker, or instrumentalist, your music can be earning you more money. Internationally acclaimed composer, musician, and music educator Craig Dodge has licensed his music in more than 1,000 TV show episodes, films, video games, and ads all over the world, and he will show you how you can too. Ignite gives you the information you need in a simple, accessible format, and you learn at your own pace. For just $6 a month, you get a video lesson each week on topics related to music licensing, from writing techniques to how to find your markets, and everything in between. You also get tools and activities to build the skills you need to be successful, and each lesson includes a royalty-free sound pack to download and use in your own music. The key to success in the music business today is to diversify your sources of revenue. Ignite will show you how. For more information or to subscribe to Ignite, visit the website at taris-studios.com or click the link on musiconyourownterms.com. Attendance, Andrew? Yeah. We travel in time once again to Auckland, New Zealand to converse with session drummer, teacher, and YouTuber, Andrew Rooney. Andrew shares how he got his start in music and what led him to go to university and get a jazz degree. We talk about his podcast, why and how he started a YouTube channel, as well as what opportunities creating reaction videos has brought him. Finally, Andrew shares his thoughts on consistency, being authentic, and what it takes to be a professional musician. If you enjoy the podcast and want to show your support, I'd be really grateful if you would consider signing up for the mailing list to stay in the loop with everything going on with the show. Just head over to musiconyourownterms.com and click the link. While you're there, you can also visit the store and grab some merch, or just buy me a coffee and help out with the running costs of the show. Thanks for listening. Welcome to another episode of the podcast. Today, joining me is Andrew Rooney, who is a drum teacher, YouTuber, and I'll let him expand on that, all the way from Auckland, New Zealand. So we're doing another time travel episode, where it's tomorrow. How are you doing? And welcome. Hey, man, I'm doing great. And thank you so much for having me on the show, man. Well, thank you. So yeah, if you'd like to expand on, on what you do day to day, maybe give us a bit of what your main source of income is. I know you're a teacher, YouTuber, you'd have a wedding band, so... I'll let you kind of describe what you do. Well, you pretty much just did it for me. But uh, <laughs> so my background is I went to um, jazz school, mm-hmm. got a jazz degree at Auckland Uni. And of course, like everybody that does jazz school, never played jazz again, you know, start up a wedding band. 
start actually having a career in music. Yeah, I did a lot of theater work and that kind of stuff in the pit. I've taught the whole way through, so kind of weird. I'm I'm certainly seeing myself as more of a teacher than probably even a player. Mm-hmm. But pretty much from the time I started playing drums, I was teaching. You know, I had people popping around and asking me to show them bits and pieces. And so, yeah, I've taught out of my own studio for, gee, probably about 10 years now. And before that, I was teaching for various, you know, music agencies and stuff and have played the whole way through, you know, just sort of on the weekends, nothing, you know, overly major. And uh, yeah, and then the YouTube was a fairly recent thing, which kicked off basically in the last lockdown. Well, the first big lockdown yeah. was when, when that all started for me. So, yeah. Awesome. So, and you also have a podcast. Is that like drum interview, interviews with drummers that you just put like the audio onto a podcast or is it a separate thing? Yeah, that's a completely separate thing. So that was before YouTube and... Okay. Yeah, it was, you know, that was, I really, really dug that. I, I do want to get back into that. That was called the NZ Drummer Podcast. Mm-hmm. And that was, man, that was my passion project. I was just so into that. And I did put it on pause just because YouTube started getting so busy. Yeah, There is a point, you know, you'll probably relate to this, Simon, where like you just start to look at numbers and, and interest and mm-hmm. in whatever you're doing. And you go, man, I just cannot ignore this anymore. This is this is getting a life of its own. The podcast has got its niche audience. It's really geeky, in-depth drum stuff. YouTube, different world, a little bit more, let's say, entertainment, perhaps. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if, if something's taking off, you know, sometimes you, you just go with it, right? Absolutely. Before we get into the YouTube in depth, what got you into music? And then what got you into drumming itself? Like what... What caused you to pick up the instrument? Yeah, big question, man. I think probably like most teenagers, you know, those formative years when you're at high school, that's when you sort of develop your passion and you really connect with certain bands and and lyrics and, and whatnot. And around that time, I just happened to be in a friend's group where basically everybody played an instrument except me. So so I came to it pretty late, man. I, I didn't start playing drums till I was about 16, I think, uh-huh. from memory. And I don't know why it was drums. None of my family are musical at all, like at all. So, yeah, it was really a friend-driven thing and, you know, wanted to sort of be a part of that. And, you know, they're basically speaking a different language when they're off talking about music and scales and modes on their guitars and whatnot. So yeah, I just wanted to be a part of it and I guess, you know, be a part of the gang and and at least be able to play a role mm-hmm. in some way. Pun intended. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I guess again, like most people, you have stages where you're quite serious about it and very motivated and then others where you drop off, especially, you know, that teenage time, you know, other things become more important, mm-hmm. partying and whatnot. And then eventually when I was, uh, I think I was about 25, 26, I knuckled down and decided to go to university and study jazz performance. Mm -hmm. So I guess at that point, it all sort of changed and, you know, I'm going to be doing music and that's it. Awesome. Yeah. Did you, did you end up doing anything else for a living before that? Or is that, 
yeah, just odd jobs, man. Like I, I didn't do overly well at school. <laughs> you know, I wasn't qualified for a lot of stuff. I was, I was that guy that, <laughs> you know, Andrew, Andrew's got potential. Andrew could do really good, but he's, Hey, he's not paying attention. You know, mm-hmm. I'm sure lots of people could relate to that, especially, you know, musicians and performers because your brain's in a different place, right? You want to, absolutely. you know, stuff like algebra and, you know, writing essays and whatnot. Like, I don't know. I wanted to be playing in a band on Friday and Saturday night. I couldn't relate, you know, what I wanted to be doing with that. And then, yeah, I worked a couple of odd jobs as I was trying to figure things out. You know, I was a courier for a while. I worked for FedEx. Worked at Wendy's to get through high school. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So, yeah, man, done a few things. And then, you know, it does keep you grounded, though, and it makes you really appreciate if if you've got a good life now and and you're doing what you want to do. You know, you can look back and go, man, I, I was working for minimum wage and, you know, I did those hard yards at a job I did not want to be at. Mm-hmm. No, absolutely. You've got to pay the dues. But yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. I think the the majority of the musicians that ended up doing it full-time, I've heard, you know, the people I've talked to, myself included, just didn't pay attention that much, just breezed through school and just like, you could have done well if you applied yourself. And then, you know, but it's the artistic way of thinking. You, you know, you're not there to kind of knuckle down and do the do the math and the the engineering stuff it's it, it there's <laughs> there's a different side of your brain that's at work so we're wired differently man for sure so yeah so you've also got a wedding band that is pretty big as i understand it is that something that was bigger before the lockdown and obviously you haven't been able to do a lot i don't know how the lockdowns and stuff are in new zealand right now i i mean i did i was hearing it, it got really good but i don't know if it's the delta variants hit there yet or man yeah this we're doing this chat at an interesting time because we've just gone back into lockdown mm. and i think it's been it's, i think it's just about a year since we were last locked down so it, we had a long stretch of where it felt like there was no goddamn virus right and we're just off doing our own thing. No one's wearing a mask anywhere. We've we had concerts, you know, 40,000 people at Eden Park at a concert. And it was life as normal. It was last Wednesday. We got locked down again. So, yeah, obviously the band gets put on hold. But, yeah, before that, that, that band's called Off The Wall. I started that band in my old flat lounge. That was a way to pay myself through university through my jazz degree yeah that's it's a popular band man would you know play a couple of times a week and that's either weddings or private functions that's great oh yeah tell, tell me about the cruise ship experience was that like a year-long thing that you did or was that the same band and you just went on a cruise no that was completely separate so i left my band and you know got friends to cover me in the in the wedding band yeah i took off and um floated around the caribbean in a show band <laughs> And that was with Carnival nice. uh, Cruisers. Yeah, it was a nine-piece or eight, eight or nine-piece band. You know, trombone, trumpet. You know, the the full works. That was a time, man. That was a time. Was that some? I mean, obviously you've got kids now, so it's probably not something you'd do now. But I mean, would you recommend that experience for people who don't have you know much to tie them down? 
You know what? I actually would. I don't know what the future of the cruise line industry is going to look like, but yeah, look, I think the variety and the fact that you're literally playing every day or every night is chops wise. It's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Reading wise, crazy. So my reading improved. Like people always ask me, how do I get good at reading? It's like, man, read. I, <laughs> like, you put in that situation where you where you are literally sight reading, uh, you know, here's the music, go. And there's a thousand people in a the theater. You, you learn really quickly how to read. Or if not, read note for note. At least get your way through a chart and start and finish in the right places. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now I would recommend it overall. Yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. So let, let's talk about your YouTube channel. So it was spawned out of going on lockdown, but what have you seen as far as the rest of your work goes, is it, I, what have you got? 138,000 subscribers. I think I saw no <laughs> somewhere around. I wish it's uh it's 57,000 at the moment. Oh, I think still, still a pretty decent amount. I, I yeah. don't know where I pulled that. I, I pull numbers <laughs> out of my butt sometimes, but um, no, that's still really I'll take great. it, man. I mean, I'll take it. So yeah, I mean, what, what you, you basically do covers playthroughs, I saw you had some, you know, videos of you playing in the pit and playing at live gigs. And then you have your reaction videos, which is what I found because I was, I don't know why, but I was trolling through the internet as I do. I think it was, it it would have been a metal progressive drummer that popped up with your video. And that's how I found you. Yep. So I I, I would imagine that the the reaction videos are the most popular because it seems like everyone's doing them to get their, their views. But yeah, I mean, is that something you wanted to do or you just stumbled on that by accident? Yeah, look, again, I guess sort of coming back to uh, what I mentioned probably at the start is it kind of found me in a way. Mm. I'd been doing the podcast and, you know, as you all know from doing podcasts, you get a certain level of engineering chops. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm, I'm not calling myself the world's greatest engineer at all. I'm, I'm not. But, but you get decent at it, right? And then you start getting quite into editing and putting things together. And going back to that first lockdown, I did a thing. It's real cheesy, man. Like this was for my Facebook friends just to have a laugh. I did a thing called Coffee with Rooney. Mm -hmm. And I live streamed just me being an absolute dick. Basically (laughs) just having a coffee in the morning. Everyone was freaking out, man, about COVID, right? This is back when it first was kicking off. Everyone was freaking out, man. So I thought, you know, what can I do? I kind of want to do something lighthearted for my buddies to and to stay connected. So I had this idea of coffee with Rooney and I'd literally just put my cam on and just make a coffee and just talk. And, you know, people could write comments and I'd answer them and stuff. Just, just being a dork. And then I think the reaction sort of came out of like a bit of a mixture of that and you know the podcast getting a little bit better at speaking and presenting mm-hmm. and engineering and having had so many funny experiences myself as a player and a teacher and yeah just like you get so much experience and and you've got a lot to share mm-hmm. like at, at some point you've just got quite a lot that you could share that's i guess interesting <laughs> to some people and it was just a mixture of that, man. I felt like a total dork. You know, I made the first one. I actually did a reaction on my first reaction. 
just to see how <laughs> cringe <laughs> just to see how cringe it was man and hey people really liked it one of the videos went viral early on and that sort of dictated hey this is something i don't know whether people like those type of videos or not but hey some some people do so there's there's some value in it and perhaps it's pulling in an audience like a casual audience Mm-hmm. that maybe are just music lovers and maybe they want things explained or or they just like the way you're presenting it or who knows but i mean love it or hate it there's an audience and sometimes you just go with it man absolutely yeah i i like i like the fact you know i i like to look at musicians from a technical aspect and I, that's i think i you know what i think it was alex rudinger's uh the reaction video you did for the uh is that the one that went viral? Xenochrist? Yeah. Face yeah. The, the the faceless. That that was up there, but the Numa one, the Danny Carey. Okay. So that one is up to like one point five million views. Which I mean, mind blowing. Absolutely. Obviously people are watching it for Danny Carey <laughs> more than me. But yeah, I mean it's just amazing. Yeah, I mean it's a lot of views and it's you know, you can't ignore that at some point. No, for sure. I just like the way that you break stuff down. You're like, oh, look out, check out that fill. And that was a really tasty lick. And, you know, I, I see other ones, you know, you, you watch the video and you'll get recommended the same, you know, reaction by a different YouTuber. Right. Some of them, you know, you just don't connect with. I think that's a, that's also a thing where you, your personality is what brings people in and your reactions to the video. But I, yeah, I, I like the positivity and the and the way that you break down the technical stuff. Cause you know, I mentioned by email, I'm, I'm a guitar player. You know, I don't necessarily know a ton about drums, but I know enough as a musician to, to appreciate that stuff. Oh, by the way, I got a notification right. yesterday that pineapple thief are touring Dallas next year. Uh, I know you're a big Gary, Gavin Harrison fan. So I was listening to oh my pineapple God. thief today, <laughs> man. And that is something You've kind of hit on something there, like from a selfish point of view, doing reaction videos mm. is a an excuse for me to actually sit down with my headphones on and critically listen to music, which is another thing that, I mean, that is everything. When you're, a, when you're as into music as we are, right, mm. to actually just take the time, headphones on and just critically listen, not just, you know, driving in your car somewhere or, or on the subway. It's a whole different world, man. Yeah, it's it's a special, it really is a special ritual for me now to sit down, coffee, headphones, and just ah, go into that world. Yeah, and, and I think what you've said in some of the videos about when you when you listen to the extreme metal and you're not somebody who enjoys that as a as a, a listener, but you can go in and really analyze what they're doing and just the ridiculous feats of uh, speed that some of these drummers are doing but i i kind of do i kind of view like reaction videos and and just general drum videos or it, it could be another instrument but it 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 actually teaches me a little bit more about what to listen for like when you're mentioning you know oh, l- listen to the the ghost notes and everything like that you know it, it forces me to critically listen to another instrument which help? I mean, that's going to help me down the down the line with my writing because now I can add those accents into the drums, 
or ask for it from the drummer rather than just putting, you know, the same velocity on the drum drum program. Right. Yeah, I totally feel that. So as far as what the YouTube channel has done, is that are you seeing the benefits outside of that? Like in your teaching, has it got you more students, more gigs? Well, not not in lockdown, but <laughs> has it uh, amounted to any other opportunities? That's a fantastic question, man. And this is something that I certainly did not expect. Well, I don't really go into anything with any expectations. Like I, I genuinely do want to go in just for the fact of doing it on its own, you know. But yeah, it's led to so many things. It hasn't really led to students, although I've had other teacher friends say that their students watch my videos, which again, blows my mind. It hasn't particularly led to any gigs or or anything like that either. And you know what, even across different socials, like I would have, I would have assumed having a bigger YouTube channel would mean my Instagram would get bigger. That's what I would have thought. Mm. Not the case. That doesn't cross over like that. That was a surprise to me. So what what has been amazing is other than just the growth of the channel and just connecting with people, you know, learning how to start up a Patreon for people who do want to support the channel. Which, by the way, I started that because people asked to donate. That's great. So, you know, people, people can crit- critique musicians for, I mm. guess, trying to make money. <laughs> Every musician wants to make money until, you know, someone else is making money and then, you know, everyone sort of jumps on them. Yeah, people did reach out and say, hey, how can we support you for the time that you're obviously spending editing and doing a video a day? So, yeah, you learn all those little things. Yeah, I've I've completely lost my train of thought now because we're talking about <laughs> That's <a> okay. <laughs> I'm going off. I've had too many coffees, man. Yeah, there's just so many things. Oh, advantages, like unexpected side advantages of of a YouTube channel. So, I had Sweetwater, for example, reach out Sweetwater and and Drumio. So, I don't know if you're familiar with Drumio. I mean, being not being a drummer. Um yeah, I mean I, I, I've obviously watched the what the reactions you've done on the Drumeo channel, but I was... Oh, of course. I was somewhat familiar with them before. So Drumeo is basically the biggest drum website in the world for online teaching. Mm-hmm. And, you know, having people like Sweetwater and Drumeo reach out and sort of acknowledge your work and, and partner up, I mean, that's just... I'm just completely humbled, man. And look, it wouldn't have happened without the YouTube and and I guess if we could extend that further, it wouldn't have happened without the reactions. Mm-hmm. So um, yeah, lots of cool things going on, man. How many videos do you get to do to get to put up a week? Uh, at the moment, it's about three or four. Uh, when I was like right in the heat of it and and just going for it, I was doing it one a day. But that was that before. Was that during lockdown? Were you not? Did you back off on teaching? Or at least in person. I mean, I I went to completely online teaching, so I I haven't actually gone back to in person. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah, I I think it would have been uh, without knowing for sure. I think, you know, you just naturally get a bit more time. You're not traveling. You're not stuck in traffic. You're not going to gigs. You've got a little bit more time. And, you know, I'm I'm not the type of person to just sit around and twiddle my thumbs and and go, oh, when am I going to be gigging again? That's not me, man. I I need to actually do something and and try and be productive. That's that's fantastic. Yeah, I'm I'm kind of the same way. Although I will say that my podcast, the intention when I when I had to stay home 
for a few weeks was to get more stuff done on the podcast. But I think I I talk about mental health a lot on this podcast and I think I need the deadlines and I need to be up against the wall to get stuff done. If I have too much time, then I just like, ah, time to relax. And I'm like, I should do this, but I'll do it in an hour. I was like that. I was like that in school too. Oh yeah. Have have you heard that saying? I think it is. If you want something done, give it to a busy person. Yes. (laughs) I think there's real truth to that. And like, at the moment, I really see it in that because the whole family's in our house. We don't have a big house. So for me to record a whole nother round of YouTube videos, they've got to leave. <laughs> and man, like my wife might say to me, you know, she's like, hey, you know, there's only so many things we can do. Everything's shut. So it might be like we're out for an hour and a half and I've got to record my week's youtube videos in that time because i've got a seven-year-old boy and he tears the house to shreds so i can't do it with him in the house and man it's amazing you've got an hour and a half that's it so you know what you get it done right it's crazy for sure or you invite him on to uh you know make your uh your youtube play button on a on a cereal box oh man isn't that cute that was awesome (laughs) Yeah, he's going to be a star, man. He's he's all over it. If anywhere we go, he he'll tell like cashier or whatever. My dad's on YouTube and you know, you kind of oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> now you get oh, oh, what do you do? Perform for me. Yeah. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> so, do you have any tips for for you know, I I guess any tips for YouTube specifically? And then if you have any tips for growing an audience on any platform that's, you know, kind of universal. Yeah, man. My my big tip, I'm, I'm, I'm no guru or, or expert on, you know, anything. But um, what I have learned is consistency is everything. And there's a quote by Robin Sharma, who's like a, you know, self-improvement expert. And, he, and the quote is consistency is the dna of mastery uh, actually his quote might be clar- clarity is the dna of mastery so either either one would work where you sort of you know what you want you know what you're doing and then the trick is to just do it over and over and sort of many books and people will sort of talk about this and it's easier said than done man like you know I've had people reach out, you know, strangers reach out on email, Facebook or or friends as well and just say, hey man, I want to do YouTube as well. What should I do? And I'll say to them, well, I would strongly recommend like making, you know, do a video a day for two months. And they sort of look at you like, you know, they look at you like a cat, you know, and you know how your cat looks at you like, like that. (laughs) They're just like, a video a day? Like, I'm not going to do that. And then you sort of go, well, man, that's kind of what it is. Because a couple of things happen. Like if you did a video a day for two months, a couple of things are going to happen. Your videos are going to get better. It's it's impossible that they won't. That that is impossible. I don't know if you would agree with that. I I think personally it's impossible for them to not get better in some respect. Your shot composition, Mm -hmm. you know, you might start, 
you might realize you got a lot of dead space in the background. You know, you might want to put a mic there or or a, or a, a faux YouTube button or something, just to make it a bit more visually appealing. You're going to get better at engineering. Mm-hmm. You're certainly a hundred percent going to get better at speaking to a camera. Anyone listening or watching this, like the first time you talk to a camera, you're going to just feel like an absolute dickhead. Like it is such an unnatural thing to just put your camera up and just talk to no one. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. If you, if you go back and look at a lot of the, uh, you know, the, the YouTubers that have ridiculous numbers and that they're doing it all the time. If you go back and search by date and go to the end and you see the, di- the huge difference oh, between my God. beginner to, to professional, it's, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I mean, you just, I, I'm going to be a bit nerdy, but I've just realized I've, you know, I'm a de- designer by trade and uh, I've done a, uh, quite a decent amount of like the psychology of color and, and stuff like that. You know, I, I don't know if you, you uh, have heard the, the quote or the, or the psychology of our eyes are, you know, seeing about 50% and our brains seeing about 50%. Right. Like if you walk into a room. Yep that's had a chair there for like six years, someone moves the chair, you know, you walk into the room, unless you look directly at that space, it's going to be, the chair is still going to exist in your peripheral vision because your brain is telling you it's there. And I think what you said about doing something over and over, I think what that does is filter out all the details that you don't need to see. And in your brain is like filling all that stuff in and like, Oh, there should be something there that that does look empty. You want to put a mic there and it it kind of gets rid of the the higher level stuff and you get really low level and start picking out the fine details. And yeah, true of anything is like if you record a bunch of albums and then as a you know, like a producer or an engineer, you're, you're going to pick out the fine details of of the sonic space. An artist the same absolutely. way, a photographer, you know, absolutely. It's it's the brain's way of kind of processing and automating the the mundane stuff so that you can get more focused on the more higher level stuff i guess bit of a ramble but yeah no well said yeah i i 100 hear you man and um i would kind of i kind of look at it as you start to self-edit yourself in the moment so mm-hmm. there's obviously editing you know post-production but you start getting pretty good at, at editing in the moment and you start to lose a few of the ums and ahs. I still do them, you know, still human, but a lot better. I could send you a video, an old video. I tried to do a mic shootout, a snare mic shootout, comparing different mics. And my God, the speaking to the camera was atrocious. <laughs> One of my friends even reached out and said, dude, you need to liven it up a bit. Like that is just dead. You know, it's it's just not interesting. And I mean, you don't have to, you know, run around waving your hands around and, and going too over the top because people can also see, people can smell authenticity a mile away, man. And if you're if you're singing and dancing and doing cartwheels about drums, like it's just that's okay, maybe for kids or whatever. But you know, adults adults can see it. You can see it. I cannot fake if if it's a if I'm doing a reaction. A reaction is supposedly my first time seeing the video right and all of mine are first time watchers 
if if there is a video I have seen before, I'll normally say that up front. Like, hey, I've seen this video before, but I'm going to share it with you now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's that kind of thing of like, there's no way you could fake watching a drummer for the first time. You know, if you pretended to be surprised at stuff and, hey, that lick he did there, that was just, and you just wrote out the notes. It's so obvious, man. Right. Like, no one wants that canned like thing people want like that experience right and like let's say Mm -hmm. you requested a song you know you're into your heavy music i know that Uh, let's say you you requested you know a song that you were really passionate about and i watched it you know you're you're kind of getting to relive that excitement you had the first time you heard it again through someone else's eyes who's also a musician and it's kind of it's almost irresistible in a way even if you're not into reaction videos it's it's almost irresistible right it's like a validation yeah because you 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 always want to be um oh hey listen to this song that i just checked out and then the worst reaction is that's eh, all right mm. but it's it's when your friend says oh wow yes i love it too that's the validation you're looking for Absolutely. It's like, I'd also compare it to like a, a movie, you know, you, you go to the cinema and you see a really fantastic film that really touches you, man, or, or, or you're really excited about. I mean, what are you going to do? You don't just go home and then go to bed and go back to work the next day. You tell people, right? Mm-hmm. You might even you might even post about it on a, on a movie forum or something. You might say, man, I saw this last night. Who else has seen this? You got to check this out. This happens and... I mean, that's life. You get excited about stuff and you want to share it. Absolutely. It's it's no fun, like, I don't know. You could go to the Grand Canyon on your own mm-hmm. and, and see that amazing sight, or you could go to the Grand Canyon with someone that you love and share that moment. And that's quite different, you know? As an aside, so my my best friend, Alan, who's been on the podcast at least twice, we went together with my wife and his wife on a road trip to the right well around around that area isn't it amazing man it's it's absolutely amazing we got up super early to take pictures of the sunset uh, sunrise and i jumped on a rock and ripped my uh pants all the way down <laughs> no one was looking because they were too too focused on the scenery yeah. luckily and it was kind of dark so yeah <laughs> but that's my story. Oh, man. I w- Ripped pants at the Grand Canyon. I, I visited it twice, man. I, I was in the States. I was working at a summer camp in uh, Carmel Valley in California. Mm-hmm. And a bunch of us uh, counselors, we did a road trip and, you know, to Vegas, you know, as you do, got to go to Vegas. Mm-hmm. And we went through the Grand Canyon and I hadn't really researched it at all you know i was expecting a pretty good canyon (laughs) i don't know i wasn't ready for how expansive and and the the colors and and just the sheer size of it man i remember we you know we'd all been drinking a lot and (laughs) over the previous couple of days and partying it up and we were driving up and you know as we got closer and you know we're all yelling and being idiots and we kept, we're doing the same. We parked up and we're walking out to the edge. And man, one by one, we just started like our mouths just start shutting. Yep. And I was like, holy, I don't know if you're allowed to swear on this podcast. Go for it. 
but it was just like, man, holy shit. I've never seen anything like this in my life. But yeah, we're, we're way off topic, but that, that is an experience, man. No, that's perfect. What I was going to ask, uh, but yeah, we did also, I don't know if you got up to, uh, Zion national park. No, didn't make it. It's equally as breathtaking. Is that right? Yeah. That if, if you get, if you get back that way, just yeah. Amazing, amazing scenery. Oh, I will, man. Uh, you know, the States is one country. I mean, for everybody's got their opinion on the States, you know, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> political policies and whatnot. But, you know, when you go there and, you know, actually the States gets a pretty bad rap, man. And the people get a pretty bad rap. Mm-hmm. And when you go there, like you realize, man, everybody's so freaking nice. And, and it's just, it's a great time. It's a great trip, the States. Coming, you know, from somewhere like New Zealand, which is very small, um, going there, it's just, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I'm originally from England. I think New Zealand's probably one of the closest relatives, almost. Yeah. In terms of, you know, climate and people. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I think I think my experience of traveling is that generally people are pretty cool. You get some, you know, assholes here and there. And, yeah, basically the political climate fucks everything up for everyone (laughs) yeah it's a real shame but everyone's pretty cool all over the world it's a real shame but man hey just coming back to i mean we're jumping around obviously it's probably yeah i'll take the blame i'll take the blame for that but (laughs) coming back to your question man i i just cannot stress enough the consistency aspect Mm -hmm. so if i was going to uh, suggest things to people is just be consistent and don't be afraid to put out garbage. There's heaps of garbage on my channel, like especially early on, just things that are just humiliatingly bad. But I'm not going to remove them because I just think, again, it's authenticity. I don't want to remove stuff and just make it look like, hey, look how slick I am. I want to leave it there and like, look how terrible I was. Mm. So I think just, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the thing. You're 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 only as uh, you you can only get better from from your mess ups and bad stuff. So that yeah, good 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 benchmark to to improve from I think. Yeah. But what I was going to ask about the the reaction videos as far as submissions, you obviously have your Patreon picks where people mm. give you what they want. So do you? Uh, I don't know if you're you have an opinion on this or there's something you actually do. Like if someone is working PR for a band and they want to get their music in front of more people and the drummer, in your case, happened to have a couple of playthrough videos, would would you consider people submitting that to you? And quite rightly, you, you could charge for that. I don't know if that's something you do, if you have an opinion for or against. Mm. Does that make it less authentic? I've I've thought of this exact thing many times and it's come up because i have a discord group with my patreon uh, members yeah and this has come up a lot it's a really smart question you're asking man you know at at what point are you blurring the lines i guess between uh, videos that you want to watch the audience wants to watch and who's just gonna pay you Mm -hmm. (sighs) yeah it's i haven't had to deal with it a lot i've i've had many a band reach out and ask for their 
for their song to be on the channel mm-hmm. and to be completely honest it's just too many for me to individually to reply to obviously if they went through my paypal system that's a confirmed request so if you're if you're good enough to contribute you know that amount to my channel to ensure that it keeps going i will absolutely 100 do the request so i guess there's a loophole there if if a band thought yeah it's worth getting on the channel mm-hmm. you know we'll pay that amount and if they deemed it worth that they could do that uh if that got out of control and started getting abused i'd probably look at it at that point but but we're not at that point yet and i'll tell you what man one thing with doing these videos is i have learned i'm really bad at picking what's going to be a successful reaction video the audience is much better at picking it. And I, I'm not saying that to blow smoke up anyone's butt. Like, this is for real. The first couple of videos I did were videos that I had already seen, I think, from memory. And I thought we're going to blow everyone's hair off. It wasn't the case. It, the ones that went really big, Meshuggah, Bleed, Numa, Alex Rudinger, all these ones that did go really big, that's all uh, viewer-selected stuff. I didn't know about that kind of stuff, you know? Sure. Yeah, there's... I don't know. There's almost more... There's more. It's more authentic, I think, if other people are, are requesting it. But then, obviously, you've got to <laughs> somehow filter out all these requests, you know, what do you do? And that is kind of why I started up the PayPal and, and Patreon... And again, it's not, I'm not only doing those ones, but at least it's some kind of uh, North Star to keep me on track to some degree. Right, for sure. Awesome. Let's move on to my non-quickfire question round. <laughs> what significant negative experience have you overcome and what did it teach you? Significant. I re- Man, I really do try and look at everything as like a... You know, you either, you know, you learn from it. So if something was really bad, I would like to think it was just a learning moment. Um, let's see. Just trying to think of like failures. Like, um, I don't know if this would fall into this category, but like, like I, I lost quite a big gig when I, uh, how could I put it? Before I was a serious drummer. I got offered quite a big gig. It was a like New Zealand Idol thing. Mm-hmm. It's hilarious now because if I got offered the gig now, I wouldn't even take it. <laughs> but, but back then, um, <laughs> I got offered this gig and I I knew the right people and they they got me this gig, man. And it was a big gig. You know, it was like, whoa, you know, five-star hotels, touring, blah, blah, blah. Really exciting. And we did the first rehearsal with the artist, three songs, and I wasn't good enough. So I don't know if this is the kind of thing you're thinking of, but um, that was like a massive realization, man. I was like, whoa, I'm, I'm completely out of my depth here. Mm-hmm. And when, when they're asking me to do something, which is what I would expect now as a player, 
you know, hey, can you make it this and that? Or can you go into a Latin thing in the bridge or, you know, some kind of instruction like that. In this situation back then, I couldn't do it. I, I didn't I didn't have the vocab, I didn't have the facility, I didn't have the chops to actually be able to do it. And I lost the gig. I got fired, man. Well, I mean, it, it, as long as you learnt that you had to improve and you knew where you were going to improve. You know, I've, I've met a couple of people that, you know, hey, hey you, you're not doing this right or, you know, you're not playing in time or blah, blah, blah. Well, I practice every day and they ca- they're in denial. Mm. But if, if you get that kind of, you know, kick in the teeth, basically, it, it if it doesn't give you a wake-up call, I think that's an indication that you probably won't make it. But if, if you take those situations and, like, take a step back from yourself and say, hey, I need to improve this, this, and this, and this is why, that that's, like, the best, best reaction to that situation. Because then you can go ahead, do the work, and then you're... 10 times better than you were absolutely man absolutely like to me it's it's a total whiplash situation and i had many of those at university as well doing a jazz degree and that is not for everyone man that is not for everybody i i really do think it is what separates the 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 pros or or the working players from the hobbyists Mm mm-hmm like if you t- if you take that personally, if someone says, you know, hey Simon, um, your guitaring man, it's not up to it, we're gonna have to drop you. Now, how do you not take that personally a- a- in the moment? You know, right? You're you're it's like, god damn, like really? You know, you're you're crushed, and that can lead you down like like a self discovery path of, you know, perhaps you start recording yourself, and to me, as an educator, recording yourself is my number one tip. You don't realize you're, you know, you're singing out a tune until you hear yourself back on a recording. You go, holy shit, that is bad. Yep, that happened to me. <laughs> yeah. Hey, we've all been there, man. Like, you know, I've had various, like, critiques or instructions from professors and stuff like that. And they'll say, hey, man, you're not doing this. And I'll, and I'll just think, what are you talking about, man? I've got that down. Then you hear a recording and you go, uh, yeah, he was right. Mm-hmm. And at some point you've got to, I mean, I'm not saying you should allow yourself to get abused by anyone. That's, you don't need to, but you don't need to take it personally. And absolutely, if someone you respect gives you feedback, like honest feedback, that is very giving of them. And they're potentially like risking the relationship with you, mm. but to, to help you, you have to learn to just invite that in and just take it on board and say, hey, thanks, man. I'll, I'll work on that. Yeah. Absolutely. Thank you for sharing that. What major positive experience has given you the push to follow this journey? To follow the YouTube journey? Whatever you want to answer it about. Could be drums, could be YouTube, could be anything. Yeah, man. Okay. Uh, drums, uh, music in general, I think just that that feeling of when you start gigging, perhaps to a, like a bigger audience or, or like uh, probably in my case, it was something like when I started doing a lot of theater work. And I think like my first, one of my first like professional theater gigs, like I really felt like, man, like I'm, I'm doing this now. Like this is the stuff that I, 
I wanted to do all those years ago and, and I, I sort of had dreamed of doing and, and this is the venue that I, I had dreamed of playing in. Shit, it, it's actually happening now. And and then you start to think, well, you know, maybe I, I'm okay and and you know, there's a lot of people and you know, like a theater gig with the with all the performing, like the singing and dancing and stuff, you know, the crowd gets really into it, right? It's it's quite a different gig to just well, a gig, just a standard gig. And you know, if you've done some show and in the bowels the whole audience is up and clapping and you're the drummer for that, like you're somewhat driving all that that's just like that's just a crazy dopamine hit that you don't want to give up ever you know that's fantastic so last question is what does music mean to you Ooh, i want to say something like self-expression you know something like that uh yeah hey look i think possibly an uncomfortable truth for for many creatives is yep you got to express yourself you you want to perhaps be an artist i personally don't really consider myself an artist i'm a working drummer a tutor and you know i do a few other things as well but i think you've got to learn to combine at least some kind of business acumen and and common sense in all areas combine that with your with your passion because without it yeah i mean you could be this romantic creative who eats two minute noodles and lives in a new york loft perhaps but really you know you you do have to pay your bills you've got to be on time you know like the interview today you know i want to be on time for you i want to be there and be organized all, all of that real basic stuff, you know, basic, the, the stuff that would get, get you hired in normal civilian life <laughs> as, as well as music. I think there is just far too much emphasis on, on the artistic sort of the big dreams side and not enough on that, on the smaller, uh, I don't know. I don't know what the word is I'm searching for here. Is it pragmatic or, or being organized and reliable and somehow managing to combine it all fantastic you know you you can be a great musician and still be organized mm-hmm. like it's possible <laughs> i th- i th- honestly i think the the bigger guys are probably just either ridiculously organized with their business side so they can afford the time and the you know, fortitude or whatever to, to actually practice that, you know, next level stuff, or they've just got a really good assistant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I've, I've certainly learned there's different, there's different ways of viewing success. Mm-hmm. I mean, as I was coming up and especially at university, it was a bit of a, you know, it was that whiplash kind of macho thing of, yeah, if you're not doing like the real deal gig, you know, playing proggy jazz, you know, you're a failure. You haven't done it. Mm. I kind of went the other way. You know, I actually created a winning band. I knew that was going to get consistent work. There's always going to be a market for top 40 stuff. And doing some more, I guess, practical things, you know, 
And that doesn't mean you just drop all the all the weird stuff. You know, you can have all of it. Try and have more than one string to the bow, I guess. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. So if people want to get in touch, watch your YouTube channel, find out more about you, where can, where's the best place they can go? Yeah, my website is andrewrooneydrums.com and that's got free transcriptions and, you know, it's got links to my podcast and YouTube and everything. Or you could just head to the YouTube. That's where uh, that's where I'm spending most of my time these days. <laughs> and that's just uh, Andrew Rooney Drums. You just type that into YouTube and you'll see my big bald head and um, watch drum videos with me. <laughs> with a bag of coffee. You got it. So, all right. So the last thing at the end of the interview, I, I always like to play a track by the artist I'm interviewing. Do you have any original music or is there... Uh, Maybe a friends band you want to shout out or Oh man. What an opportunity. I'll tell you what, man, I've got a I believe he's fifteen year old student. Okay. This kid is something, man. He I don't know what number album he's up to. He records all his own albums in his bedroom. Mm-hmm. In their house. I'm talking he's recording the drums the bass, the guitar, keyboards, and vocals. Holy crap. At 15. Dude's live streaming stuff. Yeah, 15. I'll tell you what. I'll hit him up and see if we can drop in some of his music. Fantastic. I would just love to to push guys like this who are, who are pushing themselves. And, you know, he, he is one of these kids who, who his life is going to be music, you know. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you'll you'll definitely understand this there's just no doubt in it he he's 15 he's basically a professional musician already he's working session for pop idol acts and all kinds of stuff this guy's 15 man anything i give him he, he can play it you know uh we're working on reading at the moment because reading's always a <laughs> no matter how good you are you're still gonna have to learn to read if you want to be a pro but yeah, I'll, I'll I'll check with him, but I'm pretty sure we'll be able to drop him one of his tracks. Oh, that's fantastic. All right. This has been a fantastic conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. Continued success, and please stay in touch. Oh, no, thank you so much, man. It's been a pleasure. Thank you so much for listening. I'd really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes or your favorite podcast platform, as this really helps get the word out about the podcast so other musicians can benefit from the awesome knowledge that my guests are sharing. The more the musicians' community collectively learns, the stronger we will become. A rising tide lifts all ships. This episode is sponsored by the Skinny Armadillo Printing Company in Fort Worth, Texas, offering a full range of apparel decoration and promotional items, such as screen printing, embroidery, laser engraving, and much more. The Skinny Armadillo is now offering a merch fulfillment service including on-demand printing and a custom-built web store so you can concentrate on your music and running your business as a musician. Visit theskinnyarmadillo.com or call 817-546-1430 to learn how the Skinny Armadillo can help you take your merch to the next level. Keep pushing the needle and be excellent to each other. This is Jackson Boswell with Not Quite Enough. Taking your time But that's not what I heard 
tell me I crossed a line That's not what I heard Watch me go blind 